Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Aggieville Alley Cats podcast, where come rain, shine, or anything in between, we're here to deliver to you the Kansas State sporting news that you so crave. I'm Ace Edwards, alongside... Connor Balthazor. And today, we're going to potentially have a somewhat shorter episode than we usually have, which is an accomplishment because we have a problem with levity here. Yeah, we'll, we'll see. We'll, we'll see. see. But there are, there are three main topics that that we're going to cover today. One is our traditional opening recruiting segment, which will be shorter because we only really have one name with which to talk about, though we're not going to downplay how important that name is. And we're going to start talking about Kansas State disrespect, which honestly may as well be its own segment every week. Yeah, that's a staple segment, honestly. Yeah. Uh, And then we'll finally talk about traditions and student feel on how K-State sports, and specifically football, is going. And maybe we'll give you a review of Fast and Furious 9, the, the movie that Connor just saw. I'd really rather not, but for the sake of saving others from having to see it, I can basically explain most of it at the end if we have time. <laughs> That'll be like, the wacky like, segment of the week. Yeah, wacky segment <laughs> of the week. Wow, this movie sucks! Exclamation point. We're not recording this at midnight, you can't tell. <laughs> no. But, Perfect. anyway... We'll start with our with our opening segment, and I'll kick it over to recruiting guy, as he is lovingly named for for this topic. Yes, it is I, recruiting guy, uh, and so we got one recruit or one commit officially this week. The cat signals were sent up uh, as we're recording. Uh, I guess it just turned to a different day a couple minutes ago, but on uh, June twenty fifth. Oh yeah, sorry, that's a big secret, but <laughs> for some reason, but. Yeah. On, yeah, on the 25th, Cat Signals got sent up. Nothing really came of that, but we should be seeing another commit here in the next day or so, hopefully. But a couple days after Toby Osinsanmi committed as a linebacker, we got Braden Lofton, a tight end out of Council Bluff, Iowa, the same school that produced a high four-star tight end Thomas Fedoni last year. And... I think that also probably plays into why he did kind of fly under the radar. This is another guy where K-State was his only uh, Power 5 offer. He did have 18 offers, but none of them were Power 5 other than K-State. Uh, Iowa State was poking around. Nebraska was poking around. OU was even poking around. But K-State was the first Power 5 to pull the trigger, and Braden Lofton committed pretty quickly after that. I think he committed on the day of his visit. And... I watched some film on him, and I really like him. Honestly, he's got awesome testing numbers uh, for a tight end. He's a little undersized right now, but I'd imagine that the staff thinks that he can put on probably 30 pounds because he's 207 right now on rivals. Mm -hmm. Uh, I'd imagine the staff thinks that he can put on uh, 30 pounds and maintain his athleticism. He must have a good frame. Uh, But... I will admit, I'll be the first to admit that I actually really like this. Although I know there's kind of a growing frustration about us not getting guys that have other Power 5 offers. I think that that's kind of like a microscopic view of this year because I've gotten guys like Jake Rubley, uh, Devontae Pritchard, I think, had other offers. Andrew mm-hmm. Gang had plenty of Power 5 offers. So I think that's just how this cycle is going so far. And it's also just been a slower cycle. Because uh, yeah, we expected. Yeah, that's what I was about to say. Like, we expected June to be a big month, but as a whole, K-State is in the upper half of the Big 12 in terms of uh, added commitments this month. So I wouldn't be too worried about it because I think we expect recruits to really just start pulling the trigger 
early on that we thought that was what was going to be the case, like with Nick Herzog committing really early, but he seems to be the exception to the rule so far. He just, that was just kind of bad luck, honestly, I think, at this point. And then uh, uh, the Cruisers as a whole just kind of taking their time. They want to visit as much as possible because they lost a lot of the recruiting uh, season and they saw the class ahead of them have to commit to places they'd never been and uh, just kind of didn't know in general. And so they're taking their time. You kind of have to respect that, honestly. Uh, yeah. Some guys some guys committed early, like Silas Etter, but, I mean, he's a, he's a Kansas kid. He can come to Manhattan wherever he wants, basically, like an yeah, hour and a half much. away. Yeah, I mean, oh, <laughs> oh yeah. boy, that's such a trip, an hour and a half. <laughs> yeah, you know, Eudora to Manhattan, the treacherous trek along I-70. But uh, Braden Lofton, uh, tight end, he is pretty slight. And he did fly under the radar because of Thomas Fedoni. But if you look at his film, uh, he was good enough that they moved him from tight end to receiver for a year, which is very encouraging. Yeah. And he has some uh, some very interesting highlights, I think, in his tape. Uh, he shows good ball skills, and he shows good straight line speed and decent agility. Um, he isn't the best route runner yet, but I would imagine yes. that that partly that partly is because uh, he had never played receiver before. At least, I think so. I'm assuming it may not be the case, but uh, tight end. He probably just had a different route tree, or just wasn't expected to run as crisp of routes and get a move to receiver. Just not really used to having to go against DBs instead yeah. of linebackers, but he was beating them nonetheless. I mean, just yeah. through sheer size and athleticism, he has yeah, and, soft and, hands. Like, go ahead. And and that's something that you can kind of expect with most larger receivers, even those who played receiver in the NFL. Like the obvious one is DK Metcalf and Calvin Johnson. They never really established this ridiculous route tree, but they were just bigger and faster than everyone else, so they got by on running curls and also goes. Yeah. Like, it looks like if you're that good, you don't need a crazy route tree. As a tight end at K-State, I doubt they're going to be asked to run anything crazy. Uh, they'll run uh, some posts, uh, a lot of curls, a lot of hitch routes. Uh, that Briley Moore check down is really popular uh, towards the beginning of the season, drag routes. Uh, but nothing super intricate, I would imagine. Uh, Lofton, he did get graded uh, fairly quickly. Rivals has him as a 5.53 star, which is the low end of 3 star, although I have a hunch that's going to get bumped to maybe 5.6, maybe even 5.7 if he performs well in his senior year, because I think he's due for a breakout based off of his testing numbers, which are just really ridiculous for a tight end. Uh, then 24-7, their in-house ratings put him at 84 out of 100, which is a middle 3 star. Their composite ratings have him at 0.8366 which is basically the same. So pretty accurate ratings there, I would say. Uh, both sites have him about the same spot. So I think that's good for where he's at right now because we've seen him at receiver, but we haven't seen him at tight end yet, and that's what he's projected to play. So the cautiously optimistic is how I'm interpreting those ratings. Yep. And I, I say that's that's pretty fair right now. But Brandon Lofton, I really like him. He'll be a younger tight end, and some room just opened up there uh, with the... Uh, shift of Cody Stuffelbean officially from tight end to defensive end. The rosters, yeah, the rosters updated today officially, and Stuffelbean was moved to defensive end. So that moves a redshirt freshman away from where Verlachton will be at. So that's going to be good for uh, his development. Maybe he won't have as much in his way. Although I do expect the staff to try and take two tight ends this year, 
with the departure of Nick Letters and Daniel Matterbebe expected this offseason, so I figure we'll try and fill both of those holes. Yeah. And I don't have much else to say, honestly, on Braden Lofton. I really like the addition. Yeah, it's not the, the sexiest ad. He didn't have any other offers, but I do like the staff identifying talent early and locking him down before anyone else can yeah. get to him. I mean, if he pans out, there's not a lot I can say to complain about that other than, uh, yeah, it would have been nice to win a recruiting battle, but if we can make it easier for ourselves, why not? I mean, like, why battle when you don't have to? Yeah, yeah, that's that's just creating issues for yourself when you don't need to, especially when we haven't really been faring very well recruiting battles. So, yeah, you can complain about that, but you also can't complain when they recognize that and uh, alter their strategy accordingly. So, unless you think that it's lower caliber of players because of lower level offers, but I trust the staff because they've shown to be great talent evaluators so far. Uh there's a reason that they're identifying guys so early and then they blow up and that's because they find diamonds in the rough. They yeah. offer them and the Iowa States of the world, they give out like, like 2000 offers a year. They, they just, <laughs> they just have like auto offers set up for whenever K state sends one out. It's the same with Nebraska. Yeah. Nebraska and Iowa state, a state offers someone they're like, Oh, they must be good. And then they send them an offer as well. And Nebraska's like, oh, look at this like $300 bazillion facility we're building, even though we suck and haven't done anything in a century. And <laughs> everyone's like, wow, this stuff you did before I was born is really cool. I should go here. Like, well, <laughs> yeah, I don't quite understand the infatuation with Nebraska from recruits other than like they're like the Ohio State of the Plains in terms of culture. Like, like I see you squinting your eyes. I don't mean skill. I mean in that yeah, there's like yeah that's that's kind of what I got caught on for a minute there. No yeah I mean there's like a cult like devotion Yeah yeah I in guess a sense, that's true Ohio Ohio State is a pretty culty fan base I would say uh Nebraska They're not normal almost, Nebraska's almost worse because in Ohio they still have like other teams like Nebraska that's about it really like Yeah I guess Creighton has been good in basketball, and they have the Storm Chasers in Omaha as a AAA, and they get the College World Series, but, like, that's... Yeah, yeah that's that's basically it. Like, And like you might that. have noticed that I was I had this wry smile on my face the entire time that you were talking about Braden Lofton, and part of me was hoping that you didn't realize why I was smiling. But there's another teammate that Braden Lofton has that you and I have talked about on this show before. Yes, there is. <laughs> you go ahead and take you take the wheel here because I neglected to mention it, but now that you do mention it, I'm like, oh, yeah, you're you're gonna love this part. So you go and take the you take the wheel. Yeah, especially because I've been smiling the entire time. As soon as yeah, you it's said, freaking me out a little bit. As soon as you said Council Bluffs, Iowa, I couldn't help myself but just have this wry smile on my face. Yeah, Council Bluffs, Lewis Central High School. Because they act, they have the actual Viking on that same high school named Hunter Deo, who we talked about in our recruiting special who I said could very well replace Jax Deneen as my favorite player on the team just because he looks like he needs a mutton leg and is going to kill five people with a battle axe. Yeah. He looks like he eats squirrels. <laughs> and Hunter, I yeah. love it. <laughs> he is a terrifying individual. 
He, I wouldn't want to line up against him. No. If the, uh-uh. if the guardian of Valhalla could be described in a single person, it's Hunter Deo. Like, he is like, if, uh, what's his, who does Idris Elba play in Thor? What's his, what's that guy's name? Odin? No, that's I haven't not seen Odin. a Marvel movie. I don't know. You haven't seen any? No. I've uh, seen Deadpool. That's it. Idris Elba is the guy that, like, guards the, uh, the gate uh to asgard between the nine realms i forget his name though but anyways he's that but honestly maybe scarier just like <laughs> by, by virtue of movie. yeah he'll like carve you up with a sword under deo he'll literally just like rip your limbs off like <laughs> i say all this about medium he might be a nice guy honestly no, he's he's almost certainly a nice human being but I'm but I'm just gonna pretend. I think, yeah, I'll just pretend he's not because I think that makes for a more intriguing character. So <laughs> now I'm I'm just gonna roll with like he's this like devourer of worlds guy, and I if K State can get him, I'd be very happy because I'd add another four star to the staff's uh, profile. It'd be a dub over Iowa. Maybe we can get Hunter Deo and Caden Crawford as like a package deal, like. Flip Iowa's uh, um, defensive line targets over to us. Dude, Dale could be a you. one. Dale could be a one star, and I'd still want him on the team just because Honestly. of the yeah, way he, that he looks. Yeah, if first off the bus was a person, it's Hunter Dale. Like, like because there's like buff guys and like tall guys. Hunter Dale's just scary. Like I, he's he's six two. He's not short, but he's not tall. And I'm sure that he's, like, pretty strong, but it's just sheer mass at this point. Like, and the beard. The beard is just, like... Terrifying. It's majestic, and it also makes me not want to be in an enclosed space near him. <laughs> like, I would... I, I'll just say, I'll never wear red around him. Like, he might charge me. God help you, Texas Tech. Texas Tech is, they better wear their black uniforms when we play them. Otherwise. Hey, when we play Bama and the Natty in a couple years, Dale will be a great asset. (laughs) Bama wears white to this game and this game only, including helmets. Yeah, we'll just like dump like buckets of red paint on them (laughs) before the game. Like, sick him. Sick him, Hunter. And just like he doesn't say anything, he just like growls. <laughs> We've built up the lore of this man. <laughs> I hope that we haven't built it up too much because he may not even come here. I think he's projected to Iowa right now. He probably will go to Iowa. I mean, yeah, K State's K State's in a solid position for him. I think I think that we're probably number two in that race, maybe three with Iowa State. But like, I don't know, like. I am kind of tired of finishing second to guys where guys they pick like some school out of like nowhere and they're like, oh, but I really like K State. You know, they're my second choice. And it's like, oh, yeah, okay. Boy. It's like, wow, that's that's great. I love being second choice. Like being second choice is like a five star. Like that's, that's cool. fine. But like, I'm I'm kind of sick of hearing three stars just be like, oh, you know, I'm gonna go to choice. I'm gonna go to like Cal or something like that. Like or. Or, like, Ohio. Not Ohio State, Ohio. But K-State. Second choice. That was my second choice. 
before this becomes a rant, let's just move on. And yeah, this kind of this kind of actually may feed into it if I knew what I was doing and knew how to do transitory phrases. But a part of why K State might be a second choice is because they are constantly slept on and disrespected by literally everyone who is not from Kansas. And Correct. I I noticed this. Well, I've noticed it before, but I spent my day because I had nothing better to do looking at Big 12 record projections. And the highest highest that I found K-State, and granted this is just a bunch of YouTube videos and other podcasts who aren't K-State podcasts, so are inherently inferior, I will not be taking questions. <laughs> um, the highest that I saw a non-K-State podcast rank K-State for their in-conference record was 4-5. and five. And nuts. I... Uh, no? <laughs> yeah, for conference play, I mean, KU, Texas Tech, auto-dubs. So that's... A floor two. of two. We have a floor of two wins, I think, in conference play. If we go yeah. lower than that, I, I think we go, beyond firing, <laughs> we go beyond firing Kleiman. I literally think we just burn the stadium to the ground and pretend we never played football and just put all of our resources in the basketball and like, join the Big East or something like that. Do then, what KU does. <laughs> yeah. Then I think that we beat Baylor, and I think we beat TCU. That's four. And then we have to steal to beat their projection, we have to steal one of Oklahoma State, Oklahoma, Iowa State, West Virginia, or Texas. That's five games. We can win one of those. Absolutely. Like West Virginia, I think that we should allegedly have a good chance. Knock on wood. OU, until we lose to them, I'll just assume we win. So there's two dubs right there. Yeah, and and, and it doesn't just go to to K-State record-wise because that's something we're used to in that, you know, we always finish above projection, which is why the over on K-State win totals in a non-COVID season is almost always the best bet that you could probably make. Yeah, like, K-State's, I think the popular bet right now is like, or the popular line on over-under is like five and a half. And this is not I financial some... advice, but... Yeah, this is not financial advice, <laughs> but if it were I, I would, uh, I'd bet the farm on the over personally if you can afford to lose the farm please don't make any reckless choices but <laughs> please don't I know the cbs cbs did put out an article with some uh wagers that they recommended and they recommended taking k-state on the over because they projected minimum seven wins and they were like yeah that five and a half win total is like crazy so like you should absolutely take the over there yeah but it it doesn't just go to the record because that's just something we're used to no it is extended to now it has gone to players getting disrespected. And I'm not talking about the one player that literally everyone in the nation is infatuated with, including us. That's Deuce Vaughn, the running back, who, God bless every part of his soul. Yeah, but, ankle snatcher extraordinaire. Yeah, ankle snatcher extraordinaire. Just ask Adam Potter. And you can... Yeah. No, not poor guy. But you can look at just about anywhere else. Look at quarterback rankings for the Big 12. There are people, and a lot of people, who will rank Skylar Thompson below someone like Jarrett Daggy. Like, uh, Max Duggan. <laughs> Skylar hey. Thompson is literally just better Max Duggan. 
Yeah, like, I don't I don't get like I I will concede that Spencer Rattler is a better quarterback than Skylar Thompson. Yeah, obviously. I will concede that Brock Purdy in most cases is a better quarterback than Skylar Thompson. Except but in case they in non-covid years. Exactly. But I think just about everything else I think putting him lower than four, and especially putting him below people like Daggy and Duggan, and this is no disrespect to Daggy and Duggan. They're Division One quarterbacks. They could run circles around me in 14 different languages. But to have Skylar Thompson, who has been fine at worst and great at best against nearly everyone we faced, I just don't think that that is something to be applauded. And it goes to our defensive backs room. I think we have the best defensive backs room in the Big 12. I don't care yeah. what anyone says. Yeah, well, we're constantly that... ranked like, oh, they're okay, I guess, because we didn't have defensive backs last year? Huh? Yeah, well, yeah, like, our pass defense last year was bad, but you also take into account that... There was literally like four games where we just did not have defensive yeah, backs. No. Period. Like yeah, the Texas game, we we're starting. We we're starting a linebacker at defensive back. Iowa State, I think we were down a few defensive backs. TCU, I think we might have been. Uh, I know OU, we were down several, and then, uh, uh, yeah, just towards the end of the season, uh, everything was decimated, especially secondary. But like, yeah, going into this year, our starter level secondary is among the best in the conference. I would say. I think it's I think it's an insult to put them lower than top three, personally. I mean when you have a secondary starter core of like Julius Brents, then Echo Boydo, or Justin Gardner, uh then Justin McPherson or Jerome McPherson. Who's Justin McPherson? He's an athlete, I think. I don't know, but that's beside the point. Jerome McPherson, <laughs> then TJ Smith probably starting, and then either Stubblefield or Sincere Mason, unless I'm forgetting somebody. T. Denson, but he'll probably just be more rotational. Yeah, Denson will be more rotational. So that's that's that, a that's good a, room. That's a very good room. T. A. Smith was pretty promising in limited action before he got hurt. Uh, Echo was great last year. Gardner was great last year. Um, Julius Brents, Brents is six foot four. Brents has been raved about. Yeah, he's six foot four as a corner and is a lockdown guy. The only thing that he doesn't really do is tackle. And honestly, that's kind of fine. fine given like what else <laughs> fine. Given, given the contributions he makes elsewhere. I'm okay with that. Ish. Cause he's not he doesn't playing... start to get exposed. Yeah. Cause he's not playing slot corner and we ask our slot corners to blitz a lot. So I, I, I mean, I hope we're not playing a six foot four guy in the slot, but yeah. he's not built for that. But, yeah, this is going to be a very good secondary, especially with OU. They're losing uh, Radley Hiles, I believe, who was one of their top secondary guys. And I think they're losing a couple other guys. Uh, um, TCU's losing Moerig. Uh, they're bringing back some good corners, but Moerig was the heart and soul of that defense, and he's gone. Mm -hmm. um, I'm trying to think about uh, good DBs that left. KU's only good defensive back, Ron Brunty, <laughs> he transferred. Um, maybe they have like some like echo boy dose like sneakily waiting in the uh like on the sidelines, but that seems kind it, of unlikely. But okay. That seems pretty unlikely because those echo boy does come to K State instead of KU. Because echo boy does littered from Lawrence, so. Mm -hmm. 
So, yeah, it, it's just... That was more or less just us venting about how it's ridiculous, how bad K-State is being disrespected. And I get it coming off of last year where we looked... After the KU game, we looked atrocious. <laughs> yeah, we, we were not very watchable for most of the season after that. Yeah, It, it gets to a point to... And, and you can ask Connor about this. I'm someone that gets both very angry and very passionate when watching any sort of football. And it got to the point to where I would watch a K-State game and just say, okay. Yeah, it, it was it was deflating by the end. I mean, six-game losing streaks or five-game losing streaks, I think. Yeah, it was a five-game losing streak. Mm-hmm. Like, that's bad anywhere, but when three of the losses are games that you just were never even close in, like, that, that's just soul-crushing. Especially when you have a start to the season that's, like, awful, but then you come back and you beat OU, and you beat Texas Tech, and you have a young star emerging, then you go and beat TCU on the road, and then you just clobber KU, and you get ranked. And then we and, die, and then we die. And then, and then the season just kind of ends? there like i know there's extenuating circumstances there but like wow that's deflating as a fan to just like like invest emotionally into a squad doing well and just the wheels just fall off when things like are going well and it just kind of becomes apparent that the whole time they were just barely holding it together for two full-time powered starter wins Yeah. yeah And then, like, once the losses started piling up, like, by Iowa State, the season was basically done. Baylor, they nearly pulled it out. They should have won that. OSU should have won that. The, I mean, Texas, by the, I mean, they were checked out by the Texas game. Yeah, I, I, think, I think everybody was. Like, yeah. I'm surprised they even played it, honestly. Yeah, and it, it, it got to a point, and even though we're kind of stepping on the toes of a later segment, which is why I'm kind of, I'm going to kind of cut that off here before we before we move on to the next segment, which will be a lot brighter. Um, it, it got to a point to where everyone was just kind of gone for that season. But here's another thing that will be slightly sad that is not necessarily gone for next season because it was never there. The athletic director for Kansas State University, Gene Taylor, announced there will be no alternate uniforms used for this next season. A moment of silence for the white catch jerseys and the white helmets. Our petition didn't work, Connor. We had a whole 34 likes and it didn't work. If that doesn't work, then what will? I don't Granted, know. though, he said no new alternate uniforms. So I think that they would still use the white helmets and the cat's helmets and the white pants. But, but. we won't get anything different is the thing which is a shame so because... i think just go ahead. go ahead you're probably gonna which, say what i was gonna say which is a shame because i feel like k-state consistently comes up with ridiculously good alternate uniform combinations and this isn't exclusive to football i think we have the best baseball uniforms in the country and i think our basketball uniforms are always pretty good so yeah like yeah, like, I'll, I'll touch on the basketball uniforms. Like, I think our standards right now, I think the jersey tops are pretty good. I think the shorts suck. But our alternates, our alternates for basketball, though, are just bar none awesome. Like, the 
uh, Wildcat uh, script jerseys are the. I honestly wouldn't hate those becoming our primaries because those jerseys are incredible. Like I, I have one in my closet right now, and uh, then we have the lavenders. Those are classics. I love the lavenders. I love both the full lavenders. That's a cool look, and the two tones. That's a great look. Barstool Big Cat can hate on them all he wants on Twitter. He's wrong. Whenever he he's does, wrong. Whenever he. Really, whenever he hates on our uniforms, we get top ten wins. So I keep hating Barstool Big Cat. <laughs> <laughs> that, that was just a short segment. We we wanted to say that our petition didn't work, and we will not be getting any new alternates. Which yeah. I said that very strangely. Hope, but maybe next year. Hopefully next, next year. year. If we get to see the white cats jerseys and the helmets, I'll be good. We're probably going to lose that game because we've lost every game that we've had those, but. Yeah, and the, we'll the old heads will it. continue to think that. Yeah, the old heads will continue to think that we're like losing because we're wearing alternates because it's they me. think I'm that the like the player. Yeah, they think the players are literally like stitching the uniforms themselves instead of practicing <laughs> all week. They are. They're, like, they're just too focused on the the uniforms instead of playing. Like, how long do you think it takes to put on a uniform? Like, and do you think they sit there have like a four hour long meeting like debating the pros and cons of either look? <laughs> It's literally like, do you want white pants or silver pants? Do you want traditional hat, white hat, or cat's hat? That's it. That's it. You no, can do nothing you gotta else. put this to a vote. You have to stop practice for an entire day, put it to a vote, captain's votes count for two. <laughs> yep. I'm sure that's what Kleiman does. He says, guys, I am not allowing you to practice a single football activity. Until, Until you pick vote. a uniform. You must come to be 100% consensus, or you will never practice again. But you're still going to I will points. dismantle this program. I will tank it to the ground. <laughs> I will turn this into KU. Yeah, he is a sleeper agent from North Dakota State. Sent to destroy K-State so North Dakota State can take our place. Oh, God. What if, what if that's what's happening? I, for one, welcome our new North Dakota State overlords. Uh, Might as well. <laughs> Might as well. But, and this is this is probably going to be the lightest segment of the show, because Connor's going to get angry about a few things, I'm going to laugh, and then I'm going to suggest a few things. We're going to be talking about traditions, as in yeah. K-State football game traditions, that we enjoy, either we want to see more of, some we want to see less of, and just the general game day activities that, well, obviously we're coming at it specifically from a student perspective, but if the students are having fun, I've noticed that the majority of the stadium is having fun alongside them. Especially if the student section is bullying the other team. Because that Correct. is always hilarious. Correct. Alright, so, first I'd like to credit, it's like an episode of Bosco's Boys from like 2018, for like making me think of doing this. I listened to this while I was Digging mowing deep. like a week ago. So, thank you guys for watching you me think about... you three-year-old podcast while you're mowing? Because they didn't have any new ones. Fair point. <laughs> Fair point. The traditions... Um, some Something that I want to see... This is the first thing on my list, is I think that the cowards at the athletic department need to allow for more playing of Sandstorm. <laughs> I think it needs to be a tasteful amount. Like, I don't think we should play it, like boomer sooner amount like oh. I get, well, that'd, that'd be terrible i don't want no, no I, I, I don't think we have honestly, enough money for licensing for that so probably 
I, I don't even want it to be, like, every game. Like, I think it should just be, like, if we're in a big game and, like, the, all the momentum is in our favor. Like, in the OU game in 2019, when we went up, like, 48 to 24, Sandstorm mm-hmm. should have played. If that happens, exactly. OU never... Oh, you never amounts a comeback if we play Sandstorm there. Oh, you just packs up and goes home. <laughs> Jalen Hurts like crawls into the fetal position on the Power Cat logo in the middle of the field and just cries and <laughs> refuses to get up. And every play that OU has the ball, they get flagged for twelve men on the field because Jalen Hurts refuses <laughs> to refuses to leave. <laughs> and he slips from day two to day three in draft stock because he's a crybaby. And OU forfeits all future games against us. No disrespect to that Jalen Hurts. If we play, if we play Sandstorm, that changes the trajectory of this program. But instead, we didn't, and now we're behind. I think about your actions. <laughs> Sorry, continue. I <laughs> I agree that I I really enjoy Sandstorm being played because I have only in my two years going to games at K State. You know how many times I've heard Sandstorm played? I'm including the basketball games I've gone to. Was it once? It was twice. Twice. Because they played it at some random basketball game for some reason. Did and you it go wasn't... to No, I didn't go was to the it... Oklahoma game. I was about to say, because I know they played it at the Oklahoma game this past year in 2021. When we beat them. Because Barstow Big Cat was talking smack on the two tones, which gave us the energy. And also, Mike McGurl had the greatest ninety seconds of his career, where he hit like yeah. <laughs> three. He hit three just absolutely nuts threes. That was actually that was so much fun. That game was so much fun. I didn't go to it in person, but I was sitting at home watching it, and the whole time it was like very chill. Like the last like two minutes were like exhilarating, and then suddenly it went off. But yeah, I they've only played it twice, and I don't even remember the context with which they played it. And I'm not quite in the same boat as you of that you save it for. For exceptionally rare scenarios, I do agree that it needs to be for big games, but I think that it should be used strategically. I think like that third it, downs, in a way, like uh, third downs. Yeah, big third. Whenever the crowd basically, if they can tell that the crowd's kind of like, eh, like they're kind of into it. I guarantee you, you play Sandstorm. It's like you just gave the entire, especially the student section, it's like you just gave them 13 ounces of Red Bull injected yeah. directly into their heart. And suddenly, the entire stadium is jumping because one person decides it's time to play Sandstorm. Yeah. Like that's, that's like throwing like a 20-pound slab of beef into like the middle of a starved pack of wolves. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> So, so that that's what they should do. And that kind of leads me to my next thing because this song is by the band Wolfmother, uh, Joker and the Thief. I also my outline says Joker and Thief for some reason. I guess I just was typing too fast. To that's not up. the one I typed, so it's not my problem. <laughs> but anyways, jo- yeah, that that's all on me. But <laughs> jo- Joker and Thief, as it's now called. Uh, if you're unfamiliar, that's a song they play uh, before um, opening kickoff. And it's become it's basically become like the anthem of kickoff keys, basically. Yeah. And I like it's been played long enough and I've been to enough games where it's been played to where I now will get goosebumps every single time that, that song comes on. Like mm-hmm. it, it's involuntary because I think of kickoffs and I get excited. And 
Uh, they play that pretty much, I think it's just on kickoffs. And they also play it before basketball games. I don't care for it as much at basketball games, unless it's, like, a big game. Because sometimes they're playing it, and the arena's, like, 15% full. full. Yeah. <laughs> and everyone's just kind of, like, Is sitting this the there. Is time to be doing this? <laughs> and... And yeah, just nobody's particularly excited about it's it. It's like the Wabash and, an hour before the game yeah. where no one wants to do it. Oh, they played it at a baseball game once this year. I don't yes, remember. Yes, they did, because it was a home run. It was a home They played it um, after a few who home runs. A, who was that against? South Dakota State. I remember State. once. Was it South Dakota State? It was South Dakota State. I thought it was a bigger game than that. They played it multiple times. I remember for some reason we were in, like, a comeback scenario. It wasn't the TCU game where we came back. But I think that we were in, like, a comeback scenario. It was a Big 12 game, and they played it. And people, like, actually were, like, kind of getting excited at the baseball game, which I was like, hey, I'm here for this. Because baseball, despite popular opinion, I think they had a decent season this year. Some people just don't like Pete Hughes at all. He has, he has sketchy in-game decision-making sometimes. But I think he is the perfect coach for K-State right now. That's so off topic, but I just wanted to get that out there. I mean, and unless you get cyberbullied by the NCAA and Alabama gets into the NCAA tournament over you, but that's neither here nor there. Yeah. Except for all the here that it is there in my heart. Yeah, KC got screwed over twice in the NCAA tournament situation that it should have been in. Baseball should have been in because they had Jordan Wicks, a top 15 pitcher prospect, who is super exciting, Eric Torres, the reliever, extraordinaire who would come in after wicks and just dominate and then we're a massive home run hitting team so we have exciting pitching and exciting bats why would you not want us in the tournament when you put in some k-state bad k-state bad volleyball got screwed over too they were the first team out in uh volleyball tournament although they did get picked third in big 12 preseason polls so might have to make my way to some volleyball games i went to one and they looked really good when i was there Hey, uh, we're we are awesome. all K State sports, so I think you mean we need to go to some K State volleyball games. We, my mistake. We <laughs> never do it again. Sorry, but yeah, joking <laughs> the thief. Keep that. Keep doing that. Keep doing your thing. Love to see it. Um, the next thing on here, people uh, need to keep their boots. Actually, no, I, I was about to say people need to keep their boots on, but then I realized how much I enjoy the boots over the keys. Just because it kind of encapsulates what K State is. You have the normal people jiggling the keys, and then you have everyone else. We got boots. Yeah, like the first the uh, finish that point. Uh, the first game I ever went to was a uh, South Dakota. It was South Dakota, I think, mm-hmm. in 2018. We nearly lost that game. That was fun. And <laughs> uh, at opening kickoff. Uh, I was looking around, there's keys, there's boots, and someone had a prosthetic leg up in the air. And <laughs> I was like, that is awesome. <laughs> Literally was like like holding himself up on somebody else and just like like, like pumping the leg in the air. I was like, I respect your dedication. I gotta respect it. I gotta respect it. There's nothing to do but to respect that. Mm-hmm. Like, like, give that man free tickets forever. He's earned it. Forever, he's earned it. He's earned it. He's put his body on the line. Literally, put his body on. The line. But moving on now to my next tradition, this is one I would like to remove, and it is the uh, the song Wildcat March. I am not a Wildcat March fan because we have Wabash, uh, Wildcat Victory, um, Alma Mater. 
and then we have like I don't know, like the national anthem and like the pledge, which like I'm indifferent to, especially the pledge. It's a little weird that I think I think it's a little weird that we do that. Like I've never seen anyone else do that, but we've just always done it. Um, I, I guess I never really thought about it though. We have a EMF KSU. We haven't done that as much recently though. No, I think that's kind of what Wildcat March eight. <laughs> I would rather have Eat em Up KSU than uh, Wildcat March, personally, because Wildcat March is just, like, a very generic March song, and I think a lot of schools have those songs, and it just doesn't differentiate us at all. I think our band is awesome, and they should play more awesome stuff, and Wildcat yeah. March isn't particularly awesome. Yeah, I, like, sometimes they should fly the Starship Enterprise into a, a Jayhawk. Yes, as, as long as the band... Uh, yeah, I, I can live with Wildcat March as long as the band is launching a uh, um as, as long as they're launching phallus imagery into the mouth of an opposing mascot. <laughs> I but what I, if I'll they, give them what some if they strap a car to that rocket and send it to space? We'll get to that later. <laughs> okay, here here's something that is probably going to get me crucified. Um, proud of the house we built. I yeah. hate it. I hate it. I, I don't love it. I like, hate it. I liked it when I was younger, but right now, K-State and Manhattan, I think we kind of have an image problem, a marketing yeah. issue. Mm-hmm. And I think that playing uh, that song. A, a ton it's of just country music. I don't, I don't mind the video. I like the video. I hate yeah, the song. Yeah, I like the video, but like it is a little... I don't know what the word is. <laughs> yeah that's a good descriptor for it like it just is it's really eh it doesn't do anything for me it used to when i was younger but now i'm a little older and i'm like are the recruits here resonating with this like, no no like, we can certainly find music that is like neutral enough to both recruits and fans and play it on like an inspirational highlight video like no, surely like- we can I'm not joking. Literally, keep everything in the video. Keep everything in the video. Everything in the video is great. Just sync it to different music. Yeah. I don't care what it is. Look, sync it to classic rock or something. Like Sweet Child of Mine or... Well, we can't probably afford the licensing for that. Uh, <laughs> I don't know. Just maybe, maybe sync we can it do to some, Yeah, like link it to some... Um, I don't know. Best of You by Foo Fighters. I don't know. Just maybe, something. Maybe they can do the uh, new the baby single that sounds like SpongeBob SquarePants music. No, like he was <laughs> he was getting absolutely flamed on Twitter. But it was like like memes was like people saying like like the uh, baby's producer on his new single, and it was literally just like uh, the Krusty Krab theme. Like, alright, bro. I we're we're not gonna talk about the baby. Right, he moving gets on. Moving he gets clowned on. enough on Twitter. He gets. <laughs> Let's go. Let's go. Moving on. This is less a tradition and more a thing. I just am calling for general action here. Students, I want you to show up. I know that you don't have any reason to listen to me, but students, please just show up to please. games. Period. Like you go, you come to the tail, you come to the tailgates, and you you drink, you have a good time. Just come to the games and stay at the games. Like it's like like you said, Ace. Like I do think. Sometimes people over blame the students because on Twitter I'm always, I'm always seeing people like 
wow, the students like like are always leaving the games early. And it's like, that is true, and that's bad. Correct. But also, if you look across to the other side of the stadium, a lot of the season ticket holders are leaving as well. They're just going out to their cars to tailgate and not coming back. So, I think we need to retain students, and if the atmosphere is better with more students, which it should be, if we're winning, hopefully. or at least playing well, <laughs> then hopefully more people will stay, period, because right now... K-State is kind of stuck in limbo where we're allowing people re-entry, which allows them to like have more freedom in their mind to go back out to their vehicles, which is all well and good. But if you leave once, you're less likely to come back. Yeah. So that's that's kind of annoying because it, it, it's not good for the players. It's it's not good for the in-game atmosphere. So it's bad for recruits too, unless it's like a massive game. Mm-hmm. But like. I don't know. Just come to the games and stay. Like if you go yeah. to the game, unless we're getting blown. If you're if we're getting blown out, yeah, go ahead. Like if I it's, mean, like if, we're gonna stay, but if it's like the OU 2015 like 55-0 game, like I won't blame you for leaving. If it's last year Texas, I won't blame you for leaving. Mm-hmm. But for the most part, stick around. At least try. Like if you yeah. spent money on the tickets, why are you leaving early? Stick around unless you have somewhere to be desperately. In that case, why did you come to the game in the first place? Yeah, especially because you could have just sold off the ticket. But yeah, I don't know. I'm. This is just. I guess is focus mainly on students because that's our demographic. That's that's who we are. But it goes beyond that. Students and old people, and middle-aged people, I guess too. <laughs> no, there. This is the binary. You're yes. either a student or you're old. Yeah, the second, you take. the second you're done with undergrad, you're an old. Sorry, sweaty. <laughs> I don't make the rules. Sorry, sweaty. <laughs> oh, there goes but, our 45 to 65 demographic that we've yeah, had we were, surprisingly we were, strong at. Yeah, we were actually doing pretty well. Let me check the analytics really quickly. We were doing pretty well on that demographic, I think. <laughs> While you're looking up the analytics, I'll bring yeah, up four, the... 45 to 59, that's 27% of our listenership. I would like to <laughs> sincerely apologize to the elder community. I didn't not consider my words here. <laughs> I'll make a notes Sweaty. apology later. <laughs> but any any podcast any apology episode is already come and gone, boys. Did you uh, have anything you want to add on the uh, please show up to the games? Um, I had one thing for one specific person, and I don't oh. know his name, and nor do I know if he's listening to this podcast. But if you are. And you know who I'm talking about the moment I say the guy who always shows up with the hilarious signs and had like nine out of ten of them ends up on the Jumbotron. Please. I do. Please find me. Specifically me. So I can shake your hand. Because all of your signs are hilarious. And every single home game that I've been to, you've had just consistent banger after banger after banger. Yes. Like the West Virginia game last year, he had a sign. He showed up in a Santa Claus outfit, and it had Naughty List. I'm not going to go on what's the other what the other side of the sign was, but um, it had he was dressed up as Santa on one side of the Naughty List. It, that's what it had. It had West Virginia and Miles Garrett. This was immediate. This was like two days after Miles Garrett clubbed Mason Rudolph with a helmet. Oh yeah. How do that. you like how do you get that good of an idea? How do you just get that banger of a sign 
and then you do it again and again. Some people are just born with it. He needs to show up. But like, I don't care if he's not a student anymore. He gets student passes for life. I don't care. Oh. Anecdotal story, kind of related. Uh, I remember coming to a game. It was a KCKU game. I don't remember what year it was. I think it might have been 2016. There was a student there. This is before my time as a student. And he had a sign. Okay, you had this linebacker at the time. His name was Ben Heaney. Some of you may remember him. And the sign read as follows. Ben Heaney likes big weenies. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Which I don't know how that would fly today. Because it kind of has some like homophobic undertones to it. But I would like to say I do really like the wordplay. And whoever you are, I really respect your, uh, your knowledge of the English language. And mm-hmm. uh, best of luck in your future endeavors. Yeah, and someone needs to show up to the Oklahoma game. It may or may not be me showing up with a sign that says "We ain't afraid of no rattler," and it just has Spencer um, Rattler, Spencer Rattler on a like the the poorly drawn no step on snack flag. <laughs> no step on snack. We ain't no afraid of no rattler around these parts. And, and the thing is, people from K State talk like that, so it, <laughs> we're not like taking from anything. <laughs> Can't be cultural appropriation when it's your culture. Exactly. Um, <laughs> I... Also, people need to learn how to... The second measure of Wabash is the row. Once the second measure starts, yes. you start rowing. Yeah, people get get more involved in Wabash. Like, I get that it takes a while. I get that it's long. But if Ace and I can do it, you can too. Like... You, can't, well, you can't see us, and I'm not sure they've ever seen a picture of us. Connor is like, what are you, 6'3"? Six, 6'2". Three? Six, Six two. I, I won't be that generous with myself. Okay. Six two. I'm, I'm five six two. nine. I'm five nine and a half, and that half is very important to me. I haven't ran since high school, and I can still manage it. If I'm not having a heart attack and dying, you can do the wabash for what is it like two two and a half minutes? At most, like At if, most. It's, it's not about fitness. It's about passion. Find exactly. some. Get Find out of the some. stands, cowards. Speaking of students being stupid, or like stupidants, <laughs> please laugh. Why? I'm sorry, I just, I can't explain. Sometimes comedic genius is abrupt and instantaneous. <laughs> Not everything is planned. It's, it's not funny, but it's so funny. It's not funny, but that's why it is. If you don't understand... Uh, Steve Jobs? Your, yeah, if, if you don't... No, please stop. I'm just trying to say something. If you don't understand the humor of Ace and I's generation, it can truly be summed up to, it's not funny, when but it really is. it's really funny. Yeah, and it's funny because it's not funny. Just... If you if you hear something that like isn't funny but people are laughing at it, that's zoomer humor. Like, that's a nutshell right there. But anyways, <laughs> what I was trying to say about that was, students used to, when I was younger, they would be sitting on the bleachers and then when it was time to stand up, which was most of the game, oh, they step go. forward onto the bleachers in front. I'm about to go on an old head rant right now. Yep, here comes they, the old student, head. Students would step forward. From the bleacher they were sitting on onto the bleacher in front of them. However, for some reason, once I got here, apparently a bunch of idiots enrolled the same year that I did. <laughs> so 
So the, apparently the K-State class of 2022 has an IQ of around like 48. Room and, temperature. <laughs> yeah, like, like we're truly like like sitting at a nearly below freezing IQ average. <laughs> and, and it's Connor's turn to be the unlikable one on the podcast. <laughs> I'm relishing this opportunity myself, <laughs> but students now will, instead of stepping forward onto the bleacher in front of them like a normal person, they will climb upwards onto the bleacher that they were just sitting on, which makes no sense because it's for two main reasons. One of them is universal, and the other one specifically impacts one group of people, which I've never been a part of, but I always think of when this happens. First thing is, it's harder for you. A, getting up there is harder. You might lose your balance and slip, especially if it's been like snowy or rainy or icy or whatever. And it's also hard on your knees when you go down. So you want to be able to walk when you're 70? Start stepping forward, moron. <laughs> <laughs> and B, this also sucks for the students in the first row because sometimes these imbeciles... Why are you laughing so much about that? I didn't think about it, but now I just have. I just imagined a bunch of people standing up on the, like, barricade. Yeah, because, like, well, you know what happens when this happens is students will stand on the bleacher uh, behind them. Or sometimes even worse, they'll start by stepping forward, which is the correct move. But then they forget which one they were sitting on before because they have the attention span of a goldfish. <laughs> and then they just step down from the bleacher that they already stepped forward onto, which is fine if you're not in the first row, but then if you're in the first row, aka, like, the best fans, like, of the students, because they get there early and actually care, unlike most of the students, they get stuck standing, which they don't mind because they care a lot, but if it's really hot out, they may want to sit down for a minute, especially if it's, like, halftime or something, and you're telling me that, like, you step forward and step backward, how is it possible that you make both wrong moves? Like, it's one thing to, like, step up, like, and then step back down and sit on the place you were sitting, because at least you're staying in one place when you do that. But stepping forward and then sitting down, you're literally just changing roads. And so if you have a jacket, you're leaving that behind. If you have concessions, you're leaving that behind. You're literally just doing it because you'd rather not think about, your, like, other people around you. Consider your actions, students. That's the end of my rant. He's at Connor Balthazar on Twitter, by the way. <laughs> I don't rant much on there. Most of it's on here. His, his DMs are open. My DMs are open. <laughs> Fight me about it, please. I... I'll, I'll destroy all of you, idiots. I, I mean... Speaking so Connor... of things that I hate... Connor, let me, let, <laughs> let me paint a nightmare scenario for you, okay? Oh, oh before what? I move on to the other thing I hate... Okay. Yeah, let, let me let me paint a nightmare scenario for you, right? Oh boy. Ron Prince comes back as the K-State head coach. Please stop. Alright. So K-State has a decent season, you know? They're bowl eligible, right? With with Ron Prince they, at the helm. Yes. So you mean exactly like how it started? Yeah. And okay. they end up qualifying to go to the Liberty Bowl. And what everyone does at the Liberty Bowl is they start stepping up but only in the section that you are in. And you happen to be in the front row. <laughs> Ace? You're on thin ice right now, buddy. 
nightmare scenario for Connor. <laughs> I am about to make a four-hour drive at 1 a.m. just to go punch you in the face and then come back immediately. Because <laughs> you are angering me to a degree I never thought possible. That's, first that's of all, we're talking about next. First of all, it? Ron Prince comes back as the head coach in this scenario. Because not only is he a horrible coach, he's also a horrible person. Like, he was abusive when he was the, the head coach. Like, like, he was a terrible guy. And then, also in this, he's successful, which is awful, because I want to hate him. But if he's good, then I have to tolerate him. I don't want to do that. Because he's a bad guy. And then, on top of all of this, he's successful to take us to the Liberty Bowl. The worst bowl in the world. The Liberty Bowl sucks. I've had that... I have had that statement. The once like, per episode. It's been co-opted by someone that, like, I know that also went. And they agreed. It's the worst bowl. Like, We're putting that on a t-shirt, terrible. by the way. We're putting that on a t-shirt. Everything's bad. Everything's bad. The only good thing about the Liberty Bowl was that K-State Twitter pretended to, like, be Memphis residents for a day and, like, claim that there were literally millions of K-State fans there. Like, and it was kind of hilarious, honestly. But that's the only good thing that happened. And it wasn't even about the bowl. It was us lying about things to make the bowl better. And all on right. top of all of this, no, stop. You created this. No. You will, you will listen. You will listen. You we're putting, will I'm just saying we're putting, sir. I'm just saying we're putting the Liberty Bowl sucks on a t-shirt. Oh, yeah, I agree with that. But okay. then... Everybody steps forward and then down. <laughs> you lost it. And you're on the friends. front row. <laughs> so I'm standing. The only good thing about that is I don't have to sit on their awful bleachers and like, develop a lumbar lordosis at a young age. <laughs> Christ, you're a devil spawn, sir. I, I have end Liberty Bowl tradition and then sub point I hate you. The I hate you for you. I and knew the, you were going to talk about the Liberty I, Bowl next, and so I had to get you there. I already said everything I hate about the Liberty Bowl, so we might as well skip that. I hate you, Liberty Bowl, with a passion. The only good thing about it is that it's in Memphis where the Grizzlies are, and I like the Grizzlies. Because you and James decided that that was the most okay team for you to like. Yeah. Yeah, the Grizzlies are cool. They don't, they don't play at the Liberty Bowl. I don't hate them. <laughs> I, okay. So I think we've more or less concluded the talk about student traditions. Better pregame but, music and more Willie stuff. That's that's oh, my last two bullet points. But I'm just oh. that that's literally it speaks for itself. Like yeah, better better pregame music, which they're working on, and yep. more Willie stuff, which we used to do a lot of. Hmm. Like we used to have Willie tackle somebody in the middle of the field. Which was really cool, but then one time somebody had a seizure, and so we stopped doing it. But up until that point, it was really cool. So if we could find a way to like have like fake opposing Betting. stuff happen, yeah, and like you know not give people see, maybe we could find a way to do it non-violently, like in a funny way, like have Willie like pull up in his car and I don't know, do do something to like like make us feel superior for a little bit. I don't know. Do more yeah. Willie stuff. Yeah, Either that also, or, like, don't make him a freak human-cat hybrid. Like, give him, like, a full bodysuit or something. 
No, I like the way he is right now, honestly. I mean, it's definitely distinctive, but, like, I think we either need to do more Willie stuff with the way that he is right now, or we need to completely reinvent Willie. I agree. Uh, and the the last thing that I'll say is keep playing Abracadaver, because I think it's funny that a song from Call of Duty Zombies is being played on third downs for defense. I love that. I, I mean, it keep, gets yeah. it's Gene, exciting. Gene, Gene Taylor. <laughs> I know you listen. Keep, keep doing what you're doing, man. On that front, you're doing great, buddy. Except I appreciate you. <laughs> Do make alternate uniforms and build the volleyball thing. You're golden, man. And and also like let's just see some more success in sports. But you've got time. Yeah. But we're watching. And and, and now comes the segment. <laughs> Connor dead eye stared into the camera. It kind of scared me for a minute. Um, now we're into the section that we kind of alluded to earlier. And it can be very much traced to success. And it is the question of, does the Kansas State sports fan base have an apathy problem? And what, what we mean by, by apathy is not necessarily, or at least what I mean by apathy, it's not necessarily that people don't care at all. It's that people don't care enough. Yeah. And, That's exactly how I view it. Yeah. And... I think you and I actually have opposing viewpoints on this. And it's, I don't think the K-State fan base has an apathy problem. I think they have an attunement to mediocrity. And that means that as long as we are, as long as we hit two milestones, excuse me, people are going to be happy. At least in football. Beat KU be above 500 that's it and i think it's that low expectation and that expectation for mediocrity that doesn't let people get as invested in it because we're not bad enough to be endearing and we're not good enough to be constantly competing for championships so we're not the cleveland browns and we're not the new england patriots i we're in this weird middle ground to where, yeah, we're fine. I expect us to be fine. You know, as long as we don't violently prolapse on the middle of a football field, I think we're good. That'd be pretty bad. That happened. It'd be pretty bad. I mean, we came pretty close this last year, but... Yeah. But, but yeah. Yeah. I I will say, I'll surprise you, I do agree with you here. Like, I think that most fans care... But like like you said, like we we don't have high enough expectations. Like, and that also I think does play into fans not caring enough because fans will have lower expectations and they'll be fine with it. And by association, their emotions toward the team will be fine. And like that's why people are leaving games earlier, and that's why exactly. people are rather like tailgate and like go to the bars and watch another game, which. I guess, like, can you blame them when the team is playing not great? Like, it's hard to blame them, but, but, I mean, I want to because I'm a very passionate K-State fan. Like, I've watched, I watched basically every game. I don't remember the last time I uh, purposely missed a football game. Yeah. But, but, but yeah, like, I, I think that having lower expectations 
while it is good to be realistic with yourself, I think that you can have multiple goals. I think you can have like a realistic goal that you set internally, and then you can have an external higher goal. Like, you need to win nine, ten games. Like, that's a higher goal for this upcoming season, I think. Although maybe internally you're like, I can live with seven. That shouldn't be your media expectation. Like, your expectation should be higher, and if you fall short, you can be like, okay. Like, like we didn't do everything I wanted, so like, I'm not fully satisfied. But, like, like we didn't do terrible. But yeah. we need to do better, is the thing. So, like, you can temporarily be okay with worse results if we're building towards being better, and that's clear. Like, that's why I'm okay with uh, how the baseball team's doing right now. Like, because we have markedly improved from where we were at the end of the Brad Hill era. Like, although people don't love Pete Hughes and people, I, I see people saying that he should be fired, which is kind of crazy because he's bringing no. some great, he's bringing great recruiting classes right now. And like, like, he's already proven that he identifies good talent. I mean, we got Jordan Wicks, who's going to be first round pick, Phillips, who has been great. And then Kakaska, who is like first team all big 12 and he was a transfer mm-hmm. and Phillips was a high school guy. And we have a great recruiting class coming in. Like we have like one of the higher rated pitchers in the country committed to come here. And I think next year. So is in-game decision-making. Yeah. It's like kind of iffy, but recruiting wise and culture wise, he uses awesome. And I like him a lot, but that, yeah. that's a whole separate rant. But, and but I, yeah, I do. I do agree with you. Uh, and I, I think, think we're too okay. With I think that that's kind of indicative of, of kind of this, this big problem. It's that, within the K-State's fan base. And it's not just football. It's every sport. Why do you think... Okay, not quite a one-to-one comparison. Why do you think Bruce Weber is will go from being adored one moment from one year and then everyone is calling for his head to be lopped off the next year? It's so inconsistent. And we don't... The fan base doesn't know what it wants. Because we get coaches like Pete Hughes who bring in good people and of all the sports that like in-game strategy i'd say that in-game decision making matters probably the least of all the major sports in baseball if you have good enough players and bring in good enough players you'll probably be all right for most situations and that's what pete hughes is doing and yet pete hughes seems to be one of the least liked coaches of the k-state sports yeah staff. i i, I really don't, don't get it I don't get it either because what he's doing that honestly no other coach is really doing right now is he has set the bar high and he set it high publicly. Like he's literally made Omaha like the slogan. We've never even been past a super regional. And he's saying he's saying Omaha is a standard. If we don't hit that, then like that's not good. Like we, we need to do better. And I, I love that. I love that he's setting the bar high. And we've improved two years in a row. Like, we were on a pretty good pace in 2020 before the season ended. 2019, we weren't great, but that was still a Brad Hill team. This year, we had some pretty low lows, but we had some outstanding high highs. And we were, like, a razor's edge from making it to the NCAA tournament, which we have not done since 2013. And that was the best K-State team ever for baseball. Mm -hmm. So, but P. Hughes is taking the, at least right now, he is returning K-State to where we should expect baseball to be because he set a high goal. He said, this is our standard. This is how we should be achieving. And he's gotten new facilities built. He like he showed up, immediately did that. Recruiting is up. Retention is up. I mean, if all you hate about him is his 
in-game management skills. That's fine. Everything else he's been doing, like his in-game management skills, like I'd say, are average. Like, like but they are atrocious. Not, no, they're not atrocious. Like the worst thing that he does is I think sometimes he like bunts like in inappropriate situations. But oh well. Like, oh well. Oh no. He's like, done so many other great things, but he that that once. rarely has cost us a game, a unless game. I'm like no. completely missing something. And no, even you're then, not. <laughs> Like, like, most of the games that, like, have really cost us has been stuff like uh, plate discipline and uh, not being deep enough at pitcher. And that's partially P. Hughes' fault, but also the cupboard was not exactly stocked when P. Hughes took the, the reins from Brad Hill. So he's... People are forgetting that baseball is a rebuilding program right now. And we're honestly ahead of schedule. Like, we went from being a doormat... Like, we were the worst team in the conference for several years and we are now out of the cellar and we were beating good teams we were winning series against super regional teams this year that's that's impressive like if we can get if we can build off of that success like and and these next year maintain and then the next year take another big step forward we're looking at a team that's going to make the regionals push for super regionals and then all of a sudden people will be like wow Pete, i've loved you the whole time just, no. have a, just have a long-term vision. We're not going to be great, like, year one in a rebuilding program. Like, Chris Kleinman, people are, like, calling for his head and stuff like that. 2020 was always going to be the worst year of the Kleinman rebuild. We overachieved in year one, so that's, oh, that set the expectations too high for year two. And everything fell apart, internally and externally. And it was worst-case scenario for that season. And we still won four games, and we beat Oklahoma on the road. And we saw a young superstar emerge in Deucebond. So, yeah. fans don't know what they want. I don't think that's a unique thing. But just all I ask is a level-headed perspective. Like, if you think that, like, the sky is falling on football, I, I would advise you against that viewpoint because, A, that's just going to stress you out when I don't think that's the case. And if the sky does end up falling on football, then... Good for you. You're right. I was wrong. We can fire climbing and start over again. But we also need to be if careful. If we can afford that. the buyout. Yeah, if we can afford the buyout. But we need to be very careful on stuff like that because there's a reason that KU has been bad for over a decade. And that's because they get coaches and they give them like two years, three years. And if they aren't already doing very well, if they aren't like pushing for bowl games by year three with, a, with an awful program, then they're getting fired. Like David sure. Beatty had his best season as a head coach in his last year. He they nearly beat K State that year. They lost by like a touchdown, and it was late. It was a late fourth quarter touchdown that we won on, and then he got fired. I was like, yeah. why'd they do that? And then they made an awful hire, and they fired him. Granted, Les Miles, that's like the best reason. He's, he was the best excuse for hire or for firing, I think, because yeah. I mean that was that was pretty awful. Regardless, and that situation was going to get way worse. But like Leopold, yeah. I I just picture myself three years in the future, and he's probably gonna get fired because they aren't getting immediate results because he's a developmental focus coach and not a great recruiter. Like, so I don't want K State football to become KU football. And if we get into this mindset of, well, we can fire a coach if they aren't like winning ten games by like year three. Yes, we should have high expectations. Totally agree with that, but. If we don't have any flexibility with that, then we are going to become a doormat. 
That's yeah. that's just the gist of it. And I I think you and I have kind of touched on this maybe inadvertently. And I think the K-State fan base has an identity crisis in that we have a portion of our fan base who will say, eh, we're fine. I can be proud that I went here. I can be proud that I go here because we win a few games and our sports teams are decent. And then you have the fan base that is so hypercritical of everything. And yeah. whenever whenever either approach gets any bit of ground, the other one starts speaking up. Yep. So when Weber was good, everyone who was like, we'll be fine, started speaking up louder. When Weber was not good, the other side of the fan base starts screaming even louder. And it puts K-State, and I don't envy Gene Taylor in his job, because he's the one who has to make decisions regarding these. He has to listen to both sides. And both of them are equally insane. Yep. And I, I, I don't envy that job. Because... No, I, I don't either. Is there a single K-State program right now that we would consider of the major sports? Because I know our volleyball team is very good. No disrespect to them. Are there any of the major sports that we would not be considered rebuilding in uh and i assume we're talking football men's basketball football yeah. men's basketball and baseball um i would say no i think they're all rebuilding programs with baseball closest to the end of the tunnel and that all depends on uh keeping enough guys for next year because mm -hmm. a lot of them might get drafted yeah and it's the, the identity crisis leads to apathy because one side is already apathetic in saying, we'll be okay. And the other side begins to start feeling apathetic because they constantly think we suck. And you get passionate fans like me and Connor, Connor and I, and a bunch of other fan base and a bunch of... The, let me make it abundantly clear. Neither side, I would say, are in the true majority. I would say that the fan base is cut into like 25, 25, and then Connor and I make up a solid 50% of it. However, we don't complain every single day. Connor and I wait a week to do that, to when we get on a podcast. Yeah. But, <laughs> but the 25 and 25, one is so minute and so quiet that you forget it exists. The other one just works itself into this tizzy and then dies for a while until it gets itself worked up again. Yeah, like I think that the uh, the overly critical portion of the fan base, I think that's the worst one by far, mainly because it's a self-fulfilling prophecy. Because they just walk into every situation expecting K-State to suck despite being fans, and then when we do suck, they can just make it an I told you so thing. I mean, because it's getting to the point where people want to see Bruce Weber fail. Like, how can I just don't get how you can call yourself a fan and actively seek for uh, programs to um, to fail because th yeah. those are student athletes that are out there trying and they they want to win and you're actively rooting against their success which could hinder their future careers in that sport all because yeah. you don't like the coach and you know if you don't like Coach Weber I don't blame you I happen to like Coach Weber 
I think that he's had a couple of rough seasons. I do think this is make or break year. I think he needs to make the tournament this year. But I also think that taking seasons out of context is a little silly because seasons do require the context that they're in. 2019, yeah, bad year. We should have been better. We lost a lot of close games, and we should have won them. 2020, I I think if you thought that we were going to be a presentable squad for the majority of that year, you were kidding yourself, I think. Mm-hmm. Especially just when you base us off of uh, Kentucky and Duke. They had significant down years and were very similar roster situations to us, with the exception that their new guys were all five stars that are freak athletes <laughs> that don't actually need to know systems. They yeah. Just, like, in case they took people. guys... Yeah, in case, yeah, case they took guys that with proper development in the offseason would have been at the beginning of the season where they were by the end, I think. Oops, no offseason. Yeah, but yeah, that's guess what happens when you have basically no offseason and barely any five-on-five practice. The guys don't know what they're doing when they're playing actual five-on-five basketball because Weber runs a complex defensive system. And he chose, rather than to simplify it and teach them a worse defense, he chose to do it the hard way and make sure that they learned the system that they were going to need rather than having to reteach them again and set back their development even further. And I, I respect that approach. And I don't envy the situation Coach Weber is in. Yeah, he needs to win. Like, I'm, I've made excuses for him before, but this year, I just I don't think he has an excuse at this point. If he does not win this year, then he probably needs to be fired or retire because we got three great transfers. We have a great young core. I'm very excited for this upcoming season. In the NCAA tournament, at least in the NCAA bubble, needs to be the expectation as as in the floor. Like that, that should be the minimum expectation. And if that doesn't work, and there's a favorable coaching market, then it might be time to move on. But fans that walk into situations and desire teams to fail, I, I will never understand that. Because I, I, I've never walked into a K-State game and been like, wow, I really hope we lose today because then we might fire this coach I don't like. Because that's insanity. Yeah, no, that's like, insane. Like, if, if you're that obsessed with losing, like, go be a fan of the Lions or something like that. I wouldn't say the Browns, but they're actually doing better now. But Yeah, because they're... <laughs> they, they embrace the meme. And yeah. I don't want K-State to do that. I don't want everyone to say, oh, well, K-State sucks. We're the meme team. No. No, that's embarrassing. Like, and the fan base can honestly be kind of embarrassing in that respect sometimes. Like, just the level of apathy we have, like, people online see that. Like, other fan bases see that. And while we're nice in person to other fan bases, like, we're pretty well known for that. Mm -hmm. On Twitter, our, like, and just online in general. Yeah, like, our, our... uh, presence can be a little depressing sometimes. Like, and recruits see that stuff, where it's like, oh yeah, we lost again. Like, like, go figure. Like, as opposed to, like, coming into situations being like, like, hey, give it your best today. And like, even if you know that we're going to lose, in the back of your mind. And sometimes that's the case. Like, going on the road to Baylor this year in baseball, or in basketball, I mean. Like, I, yeah. I, I was like, yeah. Yeah, we're probably going to lose this game. But I still watched the game, and I hoped we did well. Because when K-State wins, that's good for K-State. Yep. That shouldn't be controversial, I, but I feel nope. like it might be. Nope, shouldn't be. But I feel like we've we've pretty well 
in the most roundabout way possible, we've we've answered the question. And that that kind of leads us towards the the end of our show and the part where we start talking about supporting the podcast. Now, this is something that Connor and I do in our spare time. And honestly, it is an honor to have any listeners at all. And we appreciate every single person who listens to us ramble about sports for hours upon hours on end. Yeah, like I, I... Sorry, I'm just going to butt in. Like, I very much, I I respect anybody that's listening to this and is able to make it through my hatred of the Liberty Bowl and (laughs) uh, uh, the behavior of uh, student seating habits. Like, like, and, like, make it through my rants and my, like, jumbled thoughts that, like, kind of make sense sometimes. So if you you can make it through that, (laughs) I respect you. I appreciate you. And... There, there is the reality that Connor and I are both college students, which means that typically we're both not necessarily cash-strapped, but we're always looking for that little bit of extra money. And that is where you can support the podcast by looking at the link, I believe, in our podcast description to directly support the show. If you give even a single dollar, that dollar will go directly back into either us doing a little thing called living or making more episodes, more film study time, more time to look up different stats. Everything across the board that would make this podcast better. But like I said, no donations are ever going to be necessary. We're not going to start paywalling people, not only because we can't, but also because he and I don't really believe in that. We just want as many people to listen to it as possible, be as accessible as possible, and have as great a time listening to K-State Sports as possible. So if you're able to give anything, thank you so much. But most of all, thank you so much for listening. And this, aside from the money talk, you can contact us at AggievilleAlleyCats at gmail.com if you have any questions or comments regarding the show. Our Twitter is AggievilleACats, which is the podcast Twitter, I should clarify. Capital A, capital A, and capital C in cats. My personal Twitter is acedward00. Connor's personal Twitter is just his name, Connor Balthazar, if you want to spell it for him. Yeah, it's uh, capital C-O-N-N-O-R, and then capital B-A-L-T-H-A-Z-O-R. If you get it wrong the first time, I understand, but you should be able to get pretty close because I think there's only one of me. There's only one of me. (laughs) (laughs) Of my name, that is. (laughs) No, there's multiple Connors. As in, just yeah, there's multiple versions of him. He's yeah, and that's my big secret. Yeah. Figure it out. Every time he multiplies his increasing hatred. Yeah, there's been there's been every Bowl week there's up. been a different Connor Balthazar doing this podcast. I don't know if you knew that. <laughs> yeah. So I think that pretty well concludes the show today. Oh wait, no, 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 no. We have one more little bit. The wacky segment of the week. Yes. Yes, I almost forgot. Thank you for uh, reminding me. We're going to talk about the... Connor potentially... saw a movie today. I did see a movie. I went to the movies in Manhattan, and I simultaneously wasted my money, but also can't complain because I knew what I was getting into. <laughs> I went to go see a, a little... Uh, I won't call it a film. I think that'd be too generous. I saw a movie. It's called Fast and Furious 9. Um... It, it was a it was a movie and <laughs> spoilers. Have... Spoilers. 
I was I would say something positive, but I I don't really. Other than like <laughs> it was it was entertaining in its badness, because I think that's kind of where they're at right now. They're pretty self aware uh, in the Fast and Furious franchise. Um, it was one of the most ridiculous movies I've ever seen. Like some movies do ridiculous stuff, but it's like endearing. Fast and Furious does it, and I'm just kind of like, why? Like literally like shielding my eyes because I'm getting secondhand <laughs> embarrassment that people put their name on that stuff. And also, the people, yeah, uh, you'll always be my brother. We family. <laughs> they talked about family so much. Like, it's a Fast and Furious movie. Of course they the did. Mo- it's the most surface level theme I've ever seen in my life. If you like the Fast and Furious movies, I'm sorry. If I'm, I'm sorry. You, but like, wow. The, there's been good ones. I will admit there have been some good ones, but this was a... Bad, Stinker. Bad. Bad. They literally, they literally strap like space shuttle rocket engines onto a Pontiac Fiero, <laughs> strap it onto the back of an AC-130 military plane, and then just launch it into lower Earth orbit. And then they use thrusters. They installed <laughs> thrusters on a Pontiac Fiero, and they launch it through a satellite and survive. And that's, like, maybe tied... That's like that's like a four way tie for most ridiculous thing in that movie because there is some a tie? <laughs> there's some ridiculous stuff in that movie, like and in the first action sequence they literally show, um, well Vin Diesel and uh, I'm her name is escaping me at the moment, her character's name is Letty, and uh, she uh, they are driving it is a trademark uh, Dodge I believe. Dodge Challenger, I think. Maybe a Charger. I can't remember if it's a Charger or Challenger. Uh-uh. I've never seen the movies. <laughs> but, uh... I was driving his, uh, his Dodge, and they're in some random uh, Central American country being chased by a, a generic uh, military people. <laughs> and they try to cross this bridge to make it to another country so the military will stop chasing them. And they literally get to the bridge, and it's literally like wooden rope bridge thing. And the first car, it goes across. It has all the other side characters in it. And they literally, like, it gets taken out behind them, and it's like, as they're driving on it, it's literally collapsing down. And they're defying physics. (laughs) To the point where they make it to the end, and it's fully collapsed, and then they still drive up it, like, to get to the other side. And then... And it gets worse. It gets worse somehow. Like they like all uh, Dom Toretto and Letty. They drive off the side, and they literally like they catch one of the ropes from the bridge in the wheel well, and like use it to swing across this gorge that's hundreds of feet, like in their car to like land on the other side, as if they have any control. And it's one of the worst things I've ever seen in. In film, I was also told by my roommate that I went with, uh, I went to go use the, the restroom and I came back and he said that he literally ripped, like, there was this chain bridge that he was on. He was getting punched by, he said, about a dozen people. And he literally ripped the chains from the wall to, like, collapse the bridge into, like, this, like, water 
thing, and they literally had like a three minute long death sequence for him, and then he just lived. <laughs> and John Cena is his brother. <laughs> and then they drink Corona. I need to see this movie because it no, sounds no, it sounds no. <laughs> it sounds awful, but I really want to see it. It, they've, they've been ridiculous in the past, but it's kind of gotten to the point of being shameless. I almost respect it in a weird way. I actually do respect it because they literally reference like how ridiculous it is in the movie. It gets kind of meta. Like they literally like uh, Tyrese uh, Gibson. I believe, he's the actor, right? I think he is. Sure. But um, he is in the room with uh, Masande from Game of Thrones and Ludacris. And... <laughs> Chris is one of the main characters. If you didn't know. No. I didn't know. The more you know. The more you know. Uh, yes, is it is next Tyrese to a Gibson. church's chicken. Uh, they, Tyrese Gibson, he walks into the room, and like in the previous action sequence, he'd literally been shot like 14 times, and nothing happened. Like I should, I, 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 I kid you not. Uh oh. And, and he, <laughs> I know. And he, uh, like there's literally bullet holes in like his shirt and they're talking after it and like they're uh like in between dialogue scenes because dialogue is just like to bridge the gap between like one action between and stupid and but, yeah to bridge stupid and stupid with more stupid like <laughs> just less exciting stupid he's literally sitting they have like a two minute long conversation about how he's like guys isn't it isn't this crazy like we've been through so many crazy events like and we've never even gotten scratches before like, we've been through explosions and gotten shot, and we don't have any scratches, and we've never been injured. Isn't that crazy? They're like, yeah. And he's like, guys, I think I think we might be invincible. And they're like, oh my gosh, you might be right. And then they make fun of him, because they're like, ah, obviously not. When in reality, he's actually right. They have plot no, he's armor. he's right. They got plot armor. <laughs> yeah, like, like, what you're describing, Tyrese, is plot armor. It's plot armor. <laughs> and for once, because they make him the dumb one constantly in, in this movie, and for once, he's actually correct. Like, he's totally right. But he gets dumpstered on. Yeah. And and then also Helen Mirren is in it for, like, one scene. Okay, why? And apparently she just always had wanted to be in a Fast and Furious movie. And she, she does about the best job acting in the entire movie. Okay. Is that a high bar? Um, no. Oh, I will say, I, I will give them this. They have some flashback scenes. For young Dom Toretto and young John Cena, like, because they're brothers. And the young actors that they have for them are actually, like, not bad. Like, I, I will give them that. Like, I think the one... Better I think the adults? Um, they're, like, young... They're, like, about 18 to 20-ish. No, but are they better than the adults? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Okay. Because yeah, they're actual actors, like... And... I mean, kind of to insult. No, it's too late. It's too late. <laughs> but uh, um, I think the one that plays young Dominic Toretto, I'm pretty sure he was one of the leads in the video game Detroit Become Human. I think he was Marcus in that game. So, like, legit actor. Like, actually fairly good. I, I will give him that. Also, uh, uh, Nathalie Emmanuel, Masande from Game of Thrones. She's like the tech girl in this movie. I'm in. In, this, in, in the last few movies she's been. Did she say I'm in? Um, 
No, because she already is, unfortunately. So she can't say I'm in for something she's already in. Although, I wouldn't put it past them. Um, <laughs> and she can do so much better. I feel bad for her. Oh, and one of the worst offenses is they killed a beloved character in like, like four movies ago. And they brought him back in this movie. And they created some insane like CIA like death fake uh, deep cover thing to like explain him being brought back and it's all perpetrated by like CIA agent Kurt Russell <laughs> who in this in this movie is called Mr. Nobody like which is quite a name also Charlize Theron is in it and she does fine she gets horrible dialogue she at one point has like a minute-long discussion framed around, like, Star Wars analogy. And it goes way too long. It's kind of weird. I spoil most of the movie, but nothing is substantial, so if you're mad at me, send me hate I'm mail. I'm sorry, we gave you a spoiler warning? <laughs> did we? We may yeah, have. I did. I okay. did. I, I didn't bother, because... There's nothing that you're missing. <laughs> yeah. I will still say it might be worth going to go see, because it honestly... Some parts where I I did laugh because it was bad, like 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 it, it's entertaining. If like someone's like, "Hey, do you want to go see Fast and Furious 9? You can say no, but I will. But, but I will. <laughs> so it's like seeing the room. Yeah, except it's like not as cult classicy because like that movie was just bad for a myriad of reasons. And Fast Nine, they clearly are trying. No, the problem degree. in the room is that they were trying too hard. <laughs> That's I guess that is true. Like, but it was low budget, so it was like endearing almost. Like, it's and like, like baby's just, first film. And, and there's just so much. There's just so much legend around it. Like Tommy Wiseau. Like, where's he get his money from and stuff like that? Where's he from? I just watched a disaster artist, so that's why I'm thinking about that. Okay, yeah, that, yeah, that's. What, I'm kind of like you and I. You're picking up something here. <laughs> and then, um, uh, yeah, Fast Nine. They have a massive budget, and they just were like, let's send Tyrese Gibson and Ludacris to space in a Pontiac. Okay. This is and, what happens when you have people in a writing room and no one says no. Yeah, they literally just, like, Vin Diesel was like, let's talk about family in space. <laughs> and they were like, okay, Vin. I Sure. Yeah, all right. Vin Diesel, it still baffles me that to this day, he was not bad in Saving Private Ryan. No, he was not. He was good. He was good <laughs> in Saving Private Ryan. We're going to have to start a film podcast now with the way that this is going. But I, I, I guess we'll just kind of leave it off that. I remember, this was supposed to be a shorter episode. We failed. Um, <laughs> per usual. I, we'll leave it off that. Vin Diesel may have been awful in just about everything he's acted in. But damn it, he was so good in Saving Private Ryan. <laughs> he was. He gave a gripping like performance, and then he went from that he... to I am Groot. And yeah. Like, oh, oh, I want to have a Corona. Oh, I live my life a quarter mile at a time. Sounded like Ed Orgeron on Quaaludes. <laughs> <laughs> that's a niche reference, and that's how we're closing the show. Well, that's all for this week. <laughs> Thank you guys so much for joining us. I'm Ace Edwards alongside Connor Balthazar. 
And thank you for listening to the Aggie Bell Alley Cats, where come rain, shine, or anything in between, we are here for your Kansas State sports news, and also, apparently, to complain about Fast and Furious. And a lot of other stuff. And a lot of other stuff.